Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. I love it. Just thinking about that uh, song that the Lord has been so, so good to us. I wanted to kind of just by way of just reminder, man, just tell you that last Sunday we had a solemn assembly. I mean, I believe the Lord was so, so good to us during that time. Uh, anybody here that was here for that solemn assembly like to just just maybe give a hoot, a shout, uh, I don't know, something to say, hey, man, that was good. Anybody like that? That was good? You want more of that? I have a few yeses, some folks like that. Amen. Uh, I just believe it's amazing when the church gets together and they pray. And uh, I believe the Lord just kind of ministered to us in those last few moments that we had there during that solemn assembly. I believe it was a super special time. And uh, we're going to continue to do that and pray more together and set those times aside. Um, kind of had a different message in mind to, to bring to you. It's the first of the year, of course. Uh, Definitely had a preaching calendar kind of laid out for 2021. Uh, and I don't really know where to go with today's sermon. I'm fighting it in my heart. I, I have my notes here like normal. But I don't know really what to do with it. So I am in my heart right now just struggling with how to present to you what I want to give to you that I believe the Lord has, has just been pounding my heart with for a very long time. You ever wake up one morning and realize it's not going to be a good day? Maybe it's been a long night. Kids have kept you up. Maybe you've been sick. Get a text maybe in the morning. Maybe your boss says, hey, there's no need for you to come in to work ever. Could be that you kind of got up and things are okay, but you spill your coffee. That's always a bad day. Um, could be that when you get to work, you find out that... Um, they're laying everybody off. It could be the only your lunch break, you get a phone call that maybe your sister has died. It could be that you had an afternoon doctor's appointment, just a routine thing, and you kind of go into the doctor's office and they, they do their thing, but then you notice they're kind of talking and not really telling you what they're talking about and you know something's up. So they send some young intern in Say, man, the doctor really wants to speak to you. You probably want to call your family. They tell you those devastating news. You have that C word. It could be that maybe on your way home, you go to stop for some gas and a guy plows you, puts you in the hospital, takes your only mode of transportation, you're already financially crushed. What are you going to do? Could be that you get home and you turn on the lights and that seems strange and your, your marriage partner's not there. A little note on the table says, hey, um, I'm leaving. could be that you're just kind of driving on your way home from just doing random things and you get a, a phone call informing you that one of your children is in trouble at school and it's not very good. I don't really know, but I can tell you this. I really know that, that we all go through what I would like to call a storm. Sometimes people tell me that, that I shouldn't share so much, that I can get in trouble for what I share. And so 
I'm just going to share my heart with you for just a moment to kind of put it in context for you. 2020 has not been an easy year for me to be a pastor. There's absolutely nothing that I could do right. I'm not saying from your perspective. I'm just saying people's perspectives. Should we meet? Shouldn't we meet? Should I social distance? Should I not? Should I do this with my family? Should I not? Should we hold services? Should we not? Should we have done more to reach people that aren't? I mean, there's just, there's just no way to win. But that really hasn't bothered me the most. So I can handle church stuff for the most part. Things haven't been right in my family. I got my own children, man, who are just dealing with life stuff. I've got one daughter who struggles with some things, and I won't put her business on the street. She doesn't struggle with sin. That's what I'm talking about. She struggles with things like anxiety and depression. It's very real. Sometimes she struggles to even know if she should live or not. And that weighs on me. A lot of times I sneak up the stairs and just enter into her room just to see if she's still alive. I have another daughter whom a couple of years ago, um, man, I did something. Well, she did something, and then I overreacted to it, and it's put a rift between us and That relationship is so strained, and I hurt, and I ache for it every day. Feels like every time I take a couple of steps forward, I take another five steps back, and I don't know what to do about it. And I feel like a failure as a dad. I just beat myself up a lot. <sighs> then I have other things going on, man, in my family with my kids. I'm burdened for some of my children. Just to, Do you ever get burdened that your children are exposed to temptations that you never were exposed to? That's a scary place to be as a parent, isn't it? I would tell you right now that in my own personal life, man, I'm in a storm and I just don't know what to do. I'm just kind of holding on. I don't doubt God. I don't doubt God's goodness. I don't doubt that I'm in this for a reason. Not that I'm not trusting God. That may not be where you're at, but I can tell you this, man. I literally feel the waves tossing me, and I, I feel the storm and the thunder and the lightning, and I feel the rain beating on my face, and, and I am just saying, God, how much longer? Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're in a storm. Nobody has a life full of sunshine and no rain, right? What do you do when you're in a storm? Where do you go? You could be in that storm this morning asking some questions like, why me, God? I mean, what have I done? Here's a great question I'm asking, God, why now? I mean, God, this is, this is heavy. Like, okay, I mean, I'm already dealing with all this. I mean, you kind of feel like this... This boat that you've got, you've kind of been in some many storms and you're just trying to bail out the water that you've already had and now there's a hurricane coming and you're like, God, this isn't really good timing and so I don't know if I can handle this. Maybe my boat's going to capsize. Again, how can God be so insensitive? I mean, doesn't he know I've kind of already reached my limit? I mean, why would God even allow this, right? Really, what's the point in it? I think I've been here before and learned the lesson. What's the point of relearning the lesson? 
Maybe you're like me. Maybe you don't have those questions necessarily like that. You're just holding and trusting the Lord, and you're just praying like never before, but you are tired. You're just weary. What do you do? I wonder if you'd turn your Bibles with me to the chapter 8 in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading verse 22. And just for the, the sake of the moment and what we're kind of trying to do here, I'm just going to ask you to remain seated today. I know that's not traditional, but it's okay. I just want you to kind of hear these words spoken over you because I want to give you some, some hope. I want to give you some truths that I have been learning the past six months that God has just spoken into my heart and I want to speak to you. I'll be in Luke chapter 8 again, beginning reading in verse 22. Hopefully the text will appear behind me on the screen. The Bible says, now on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So important to remember that. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. He got up, rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped. And it became so calm. And he said to them, where where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. We do when you're in the storm, guys. There's some things the Lord's been teaching me that I just want to pass on to you. When you're in the storm like I am, First thing is you just got to remember the promise of Jesus. You got to remember the promise of Jesus. Here's something I know that we all go through storms. It's been said, you've probably heard it said many a time, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or beloved, you're getting ready to go into one. There's just no escaping them. What do we do? How do we make it? We have to remember the promise of Jesus. Look there in your text because verse 22 tells us the promise. Now, one of those days, Jesus and disciples got into a boat and he said to them, here's the promise. Let's go to the other side. You're going to get to the other side. That's the promise. It may be heaven. But you're going to get to the other side. See, Jesus knew something they didn't know, and he saw something they didn't see. Jesus knew the storm was coming. See, nothing ever takes Jesus by surprise. Now, here's the interesting thing, that Jesus is the one who told them to cross over. You know what that tells me? This is crazy. That Jesus led them into the storm. See, many people think that when storms come, they must be out of the will of God. Here's something that I think happens in my world. People think that when I'm in a storm, I must be out of the will of God. A lot of times they use this phrase. They say, hey, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I say, yeah, but there's a lot of arsonists in the world, too. Jesus led them into the storm. I mean, sometimes when you're in the storm, you you instantly begin to think, man, what have I done wrong? I mean, God, is God punishing me? See, the disciples weren't in this storm because of disobedience. The disciples were in this storm because of obedience. Many times, storms are going to come into your life not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing everything right. That's a hard truth for me to swallow. Because a lot of times I think I try to perform for God. 
God, if I just do all this stuff, you'll keep me from the bad stuff. And the reality is, is when I live that way and I go through the storm, I really begin to doubt my faith. One thing that I think is incredibly important to realize is that as this storm kind of came out of nowhere, if you know anything about the topography and the landscape over in that part of the world, man, that they're kind of down in this valley and this heat and the air pressure and all this rises. It makes for, I mean, just perfect conditions for a storm to kind of come out of nowhere. And they're sudden and they're very violent. What I think is interesting is, is these were seasoned fishermen. If you took me out in a boat in a storm, I'm going to freak out. But you take guys who do it every day, ah, these guys freaked out. So you know what that tells me? This was a storm. This is a big one. Verse 23 tells me that as they were feeling a fierce gale of wind descending on the lake, and they began to swap, be swamped and be in danger. In other words, what, I, what I've done is I've studied this, is that these were hurricane force winds. Matthew's gospel tells us that there was a great shaking. When he says that word, it's the word we get earthquake from. Kind of like an earthquake in the sea. It was just crazy. And you ever feel like that? You ever feel like you just, just got slammed by a hurricane? I mean, just the Bible tells us that their boat was being swamped. It was being immersed. It was being covered by water. It was filling up with water. The Bible says that they were even in danger. Do you feel that way? I mean, I'm like, God, I just don't know what's going on. I just, I don't know how much more? I feel like I'm going to drown. I don't know how to process all this. And then I'm tempted to sometimes think, well, maybe the Lord didn't cause this storm or, or lead me into the storm. Maybe he just allowed it to happen. So I'm trying to get God off the hook, right? Because certainly a loving God wouldn't take somebody through a storm and put them in danger, Right? Isaiah 45 tells me that, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there's no one besides me. I am the Lord and there's no other, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. I know the Lord led them into this storm and I've got a feeling the Lord's leading me and has led me into this storm and so... I have to just trust that he loves me and that he's sovereign. And I have to say, well, Lord, then I know that you're doing this. And because you ask in verse 25, where is your faith? And that's what you're doing in me. You're building my faith. See, when you're in a storm, I need you to know is that it's often, you often find yourselves in those storms. Just, they're just like, it comes out of nowhere and there's no warning it's going to happen. A couple of weeks ago, I was just driving back home from Austin. I, I'd spent about four hours in a counseling session. I'd driven a couple hours to, to do something. And, and in that counseling session, my heart was just broken for, for what I was experiencing and, and just, just hearing and grieving. And, and then I drive and I spend three hours counseling another friend who's just getting, just going through the, 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 the ringer. And then he asked me what's going on. I'm sharing with him and I'm weeping. And, and I come home and I get a phone call that absolutely rocked my world. Had no idea it was coming. I mean, all of us, you're just going along smooth sailing, and then, then out of nowhere, I mean, it hits, right? It's that phone call, it's that text message, it's an accident, it's a doctor's visit, it's a meeting, it's a pink slip, it's test results, it's an email, it's a conversation, somebody dies, you lose something, you misplace something, a kid gets sick, it, it, it just comes out, you weren't prepared, and, and it's, it's there, and you're in it. Sometimes storms come and we're not prepared, but, but see, sometimes the storm really doesn't just test our faith. It reveals it. It was like kind of going on autopilot. Again, I want to remind you that Jesus leads believers in the storms. Here's something that's interesting. In Mark's version of this gospel, the Bible tells us that there were other boats in this, the lake with them. We would expect Jesus to lead people who weren't really following him in the storms, right? I mean, get their attention, God. I know what you know. I mean, come on, right? 
Maybe, you know, my lost neighbor. I mean, he needs to go through a storm. Jesus hit him upside right or whatever. But, man, when it's us, we're just like, what is this? Can I just tell you that nobody in this room is exempt from a storm, no matter how close you are to Jesus? Can I also tell you, just as a corollary to that, that your commitment and love for Jesus doesn't give you special protection from a storm? Again, the disciples got hit with the storm, not because they were disobedient, because they were obedient. But can I share something with you that you, you need to just really pay attention to? Hear me tell you this. You just want to write this down. I'm telling you, a short pencil is better than a long memory. And just write this one down. I'm telling you, listen to me closely. Sometimes the greatest storms in your life are going to come right upon the heels of your greatest steps of obedience. When you, when you think, man, I finally did. I've just taken the greatest step of faith ever, and you just obeyed God, and you said, yes, I finally did it. Just, just know you are primed for the Lord to say, storm time. And you may think then that your obedience was really the wrong thing. Don't get confused. Here's a helpful tip that I'm learning. Develop a relationship with the Lord before the storm so that you can hang on to him in the storm. Listen, if, if Jesus will lead you to a storm, he can lead you through it, but maybe not out of it. So you see, Jesus sometimes leads us into the storm, but, but sometimes, listen to me, beloved, it's not sometimes, but every time, Jesus will love us through the storm. Sometimes he leads us into him, but I'm telling you, every time he will love you through the storm. Verse 23 says, as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. This is so hard for me to get. I'm in the storm, and Jesus, you're asleep. What that tells me is that sometimes when you go through the storms, we feel like God's kind of checked out. Right? I mean, God's just kind of asleep on the job. This is the only place in the Bible it tells us that Jesus fell asleep. Think about it. For Jesus to be asleep when the disciples need him seems like bad timing. Like, God, when, when I'm going to go through the greatest challenge in my life, you're going to be asleep. So that's sometimes why you pray those prayers, and it seems like they never get answered. You can kind of relate to that, right? Here's something that the Lord spoke into my heart. He said, Steve... Storms never come when it's convenient for you. I mean, think about it. I mean, it'd be one thing if Jesus said, hey, hey, guys, a storm's coming. Uh, Peter, you take the helm. John, you, you make sure the cell is secure. James, you get the gear all tied down. I mean, hang in there, guys. We're going to make it. But instead, he says, hey, just get in the boat. I'm going to take a nap. So here they are bailing water, they're sinking, they're struggling, and the Lord wears, he, he's asleep. Mark has Peter saying, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? That's, that's the question right there, right? Don't you care, God? It always comes down to these kind of times when we're going through these rough times. We say, if God is all powerful, why didn't he stop it? If he's all loving, why does he allow it? These are the questions we always wrestle with. The disciples are there, don't you care? Well, he does care because guess what? He goes through the storm with you. He goes through it with you. He's not left you to do this alone. See, we lose our focus. Jesus is never more close than he was with the disciples. He's in the boat. It seemed like he could care less when he really couldn't care more. It seemed like he was powerless when he couldn't have been more powerful. Again, this is faith building. He sometimes waits until we're at our wits' ends. And why does he always do that? To show us that our great need is our faith in him, that we can trust him, that he is who he says he is, and that when we turn to him with everything, we will see that our self-efforts are no avail. See, the storm doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love you. 
storm just gives him a unique opportunity to show you that he loves you in a fresh new way. Y'all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They were praying and worshiping God, and the king's like, hey, you have to bow down and worship this statue made in my image. And they're like, nah, I ain't doing that. He's like, well, we're going to throw you in a furnace, and we're going to heat it way up, and then we're going to throw you guys in it. And sure enough, threw them in it. Daniel 3, 24 and 25 says something that's cool. It says, King says, was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered, certainly, O king. He replied, look, I see four men loosed and walking around in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of God. Jesus was in the fire. So you got to remember that when you're in a storm, there's a promise of Jesus. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. I told you about this. I kind of got that phone call that day driving home from Austin and it wrecked my world. And I can remember just trying to meet the needs of the people that were around, even though I was hurting deeply. Trying to die to myself to put other people first. Man, how hard it is to crucify the flesh. And I can remember going to bed just weeping. And I remember I cried and cried and cried until finally I fell asleep for just a few moments and I woke up and I was absolutely sobbing. But as soon as I woke up, I began to see the light of day, and the Lord spoke Psalm 35 over my heart. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. I can honestly tell you that I don't know that I really knew what it meant to experience weeping like that for an entire night. I know now. And I don't know about this joy in the morning thing. But I'll get to the other side and see it one day. Because Jesus has made me a promise. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Listen to me, beloved. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, that was a prophecy and it was a promise. Jesus never prophesied anything that didn't come true, and he never promised anything that he didn't deliver. In other words, his promises are his enablements. If he said, I'm going to get to the other side, that's a promise and that's the power. I'm going to get to the other side. I have a preaching friend, James Merritt. He said this, if Jesus says an elephant is going to lay an egg, don't just stand there, get a skillet. Let's go to the other side. It was a promise. And I'm telling you, there's no one, no power, no demon, no authority, no army could have stopped that boat from getting to the other side. You see, the sun will stop shining. The moon will stop glowing. The stars will stop their twinkling. The wind will stop blowing. The waves will stop crashing before one promise of Jesus ever fails. Jesus was in the boat. Therefore, they had to get to the other side because Jesus had to get to a cross. A boat wasn't going to take him down. My sin on a cross would. And beloved, there's plans. And you are invincible until God's plans for you are finished. You are invincible. God has a plan for you. And you are going to make it to the other side. When in the storm, remember the promise of Jesus. Remember the promise of Jesus. I remember reading about a lady He used to read her Bible all the time, and she would write in the columns of her Bible, T and P, beside every promise that she came across. She got old, and she got very sick, and 
her, her son and his wife were there with her, and she was reading her Bible as she did every day. And she just continued to write little things in her Bible, TNP, by promises. And finally, she just took her last breath, and she entered into glory. So they took her Bible, that became a treasure, and they started reading it themselves. And they kept noticing TNP beside ever, every one of the promises. So finally, it dawned on them that she was writing down beside every promise that God had spoken to her. This promise has been tried and proven. You can take God's promises to the bank, friends. Tried and proven. You see, you can remember the promise of Jesus when you're in a storm, but, but here's something else you can do. When in the storm, rest in the presence of Jesus. Not, don't just remember his promise, but, but rest in his presence. Verse 23 says that Jesus was asleep. <laughs> Verse 25 says, Jesus says, where is your faith? What that tells me is, is that during this time of resting, what I'm supposed to be learning is something that's critically important. And that, first of all, is that storms reveal, sometimes they reveal a lack of devotion. Storms reveal a lack of devotion. Jesus is asleep and he's resting in the presence of his father, knowing he's going into a storm. That ought to tell me something. He wants me to be able to rest in the Father's presence no matter what I go through. Jesus is modeling what this looks like. But what I have found is it is so easy to fake devotion to Jesus when you're in calm waters. It's easy to impress others when everything's okay. These disciples had managed other smaller storms, and they were experts at handling their boats. But when this storm came, it revealed to them just how much they had relied on themselves on their own know-how, on their own experiences. And Jesus was revealing to them that in order to follow him where he was going, which was to a cross, they were going to need to trust him like never before, even unto death. Here's what I'm learning. Storms are showing me that I don't really have a proper view about my own self and really what's going on. just so many things about God that I don't know. It's revealing that maybe I'm trusting things and trusting my own ways of doing things and just trusting in faith rather than trusting in God. And there's such a difference. I had a Greek professor who would come into class every morning eating a bowl of cereal. Coolest guy ever. As he's eating his bowl of cereal, he would say, can't we pray? So let's pray. He prayed a prayer that's forever changed my life. He said, Father, today, would you please wean me from this world? Man, I wish I hadn't have prayed that. Because now I'm in a storm and it's weaning me from all I know to hold on to but Jesus. And it's revealing to me really my lack of devotion. But also sometimes storms often reveal a level of distortion. They reveal a level of distortion. Look in verse 24. The Bible says they came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Oftentimes, this is what storms do, the wind and the waves, the water filling our boats. This is what it does. Panic and fear distort the problem. They felt as if the storm was going to take them, and, and I often feel that way, and I can see naturally how I come to this conclusion. This is really where it's at. The storm reveals where my faith is, and then it also tells me that I can distort things. You see, sometimes the storm makes me think that there's something more powerful than the promise and presence of Jesus. The distortion causes us to get incredibly selfish, if you've ever noticed that. Notice when they said, we're perishing, that they're only thinking of themselves. Hey, we're perishing. Well, how about just be a friend? Hey, bro, you might want to wake up because the boat's going down and you're going to go down with it. We just want to help you out. None of that. Just, hey, we're perishing. 
When in the storm, we can only think about how it's affecting us. We get closed-minded, we get selfish, and we continue the distortion. Often the storm will reveal the self-focus, and sometimes the storm creates in us an every-man-for-himself kind of attitude. Sometimes the storms reveal and cause us to take on this victim mentality. And then we go down this path of self-pity. Why was Jesus at peace while the disciples were going to pieces? Because they remembered. No, because they forgot. They forgot something. That Jesus was in the boat. He was at rest in the storm and he trusted the Father and so can we. Can I tell you something today? Listen to me. When you are in the storm, there's no panic in heaven. I mean, God the Father isn't saying, well, what are we going to do to rescue these people? He's right there. There's no panic in heaven. There's just plans. My ship is safe in any storm as long as the Savior's in my boat. Listen to me. Rest is not the absence of problems. Rest is the presence of Jesus. You have to believe that. So the next time you're buffeted by the tornado of trouble or the hurricane of hurt, just remember Jesus is right beside you and there's no storm he can't handle. Just rest. Instead of panic, think presence. They ask the question in verse 25, they're like, who who then is this? You see, the storm had distorted their view of Jesus. The problem was they really forgot who Jesus was. Here's what the storms do. They really reveal the size of our God. The storms will reveal our size of God. When we look not at the size of the storm, but the size of our God, that's when we find rest. I remember being little, man, raised up in the hills and the mountains and the Appalachian Mountains. And, man, there would come some doozy of storms in those in them hills. I'm going to tell you, it was crazy. And I was raised in a, in a trailer park like some of you folks. There's, there's some folks here that, that understand that and know that. And, man, when a storm comes, man, you're in a trailer, it, 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 it can get crazy. But I remember I was out playing in a field, and, man, the storm came, and the lightning could boom, or super loud, and I took off running with everything that I had. I was running so fast to get back to where my mom and my grandma were, and I can remember my mom standing on the porch. She's like, hurry, hurry, and I remember this to this day. I said, mama, a piece of lightning's going to get me, and I took off into that house, and I hid under the rocking chair, just waited for the storm to pass. There's a place you can run. Ain't no piece of lightning going to get you. It's into the presence of Jesus. You know, the eye of the storm and the eye of a hurricane, winds can be 160 miles an hour around, but in the center there may be about 20 to 30. And we know that everything is revolving around the eye of the storm. In our lives, the point of the storm is what everything is revolving around. It's Jesus. The storm is going where he leads and where he goes. And he's led us into the storm. And I will find rest in the presence in the center of the storm, not out on the edges. So if I try to get out of the storm, I'm in more danger than if I just rode it out in the center. I've just got to stay close to Jesus. Here's the last thing I want to share and we're done. When in the storm, rely on the power of Jesus. Not just remember the promise, rest in the presence, but when you're in a storm, rely on the power of Jesus. Jesus is God and spoke creation into the existence. The miracle that he did is no problem for Jesus, but the disciples are still learning who he is and I'm still learning who Jesus is. Here's what I'm telling you. The more I learn of his person, the more I look to his power. The more I learn of his person, the more I look to his power. Jesus is both human In this, he's asleep in the boat. You know what that tells me? I can find comfort in the storm knowing he's with me. But Jesus is also divine because he steps out on the boat and does a miracle. You know what that tells me? He has all power. I don't need to be afraid. Jesus, in verse 24, steps out and he says this. He says, it says that he rebuked the wind and the surging waves and they stopped and it became calm. 
The word rebuked is the same word that's used for rebuking demons. The other Gospels tells me that Jesus stepped out on the stern of the boat and said, peace, be still. That word literally means be muzzled. In common vernacular, preacher boys like to say it like this. What Jesus really did, he stepped out on the edge of the boat, he looked at the wind, and he looked at the waves, and he says, you sit down and you shut up. That's what he did. One good old preacher boy like me said, Jesus stepped out and he said, hey, y'all sit down and shut up. And the wind and the waves laid down at his feet like whipped puppies. That's my Jesus. When it's time, when it's time, he'll say sit down and shut up to all that's going on. Think about it. These were surging waves. The text tells us not only did the wind stop, but the wave stopped, but the current below and it became calm. You see, there's two miracles here. The miracle of the wind, but there's also the miracle of the waves. Normally when the wind dies down in a storm, the waves continue to roll for hours. But, but no, in th- th- this case, the wind and the waves were literally calmed immediately. That's crazy because 107 verses 23 through 31 says, Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the high waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Do you see? This is who we're talking about when I, when I I learn of his person. I look to his power. Did you know, like, if I got a Dr. Pepper up here, there's a lot of times, you know, the Dr. Pepper comes out of the thing, and if you open it immediately, it's going to spew. Man, when that's happened, I can't even say to a Dr. Pepper, hey, stop it! Can you imagine doing that to a hurricane? When I learn of who he is, I look to his power. The more I look to his power, secondly, the more I learn of his providence. Notice that the storm that Jesus didn't keep the storm from striking the boat, but he kept the storm from sinking their boat. Jesus didn't promise them smooth sailing, but he guaranteed them a sure landing. Verse 26 says, they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite. Now we come to the real lesson found in this miracle. There's two lessons found in these two questions. The first question is, where is our, your faith? And then who is this? The, the two lessons are about panic and there's a lesson about providence. See, every time you face a storm in your life, you can face it with panic or you can face it with trust in his providence. What's the difference? It's very simple. Panic looks at the storm and providence looks at the Savior. You see, the greatest danger to these disciples was not their storm, it was their doubt. Jesus rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith, but he didn't rebuke them because they didn't have enough faith to still the storm. He rebuked them for not having enough faith to stay calm in the storm, believing that he would get them to the other side. The storm had been sent by the Father, and he was going to get them to the other side. You see, fear and panic cut the legs of faith out of the providence of God. The reason Jesus was irritated was that they had no reason to fear. They had already seen his power and his miracles over and over and over again. He's cast out unclean spirits. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's healed an entire city of disease and demonic possessions. He's cleansed lepers. He's healed paralytics. He's restored withered hands. He's proven that no matter if it's danger, it's disease, or it's demons, he can handle anything. But the reason why they had fear was because they had forgotten what Jesus could do. Oftentimes we hear that fear is an acronym. It's false evidence appearing real. Can I tell you, there's nothing false about what happened on that lake that day. It was real. I believe a better acronym is fear is really forgetting every available resource. Jesus was there. That's a lesson about panic. But here's a quick lesson about providence. Jesus asked them this question, where is your faith? And every time you and I go through a storm, Jesus is going to ask you that question, where is your faith? Corey Tim Boom used to say, when the train goes through a tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out of the train? Of course not. You sit still and trust the engineer to get you to the other side. Jesus said they would get to the other side. He's in control and what he says will happen, he will happen. 
And if I know who he is, I will look to his power. And if I trust that he has all power, I know that he has providence over all things. But then thirdly, the more I learn of his providence, the more I look to his praise. The more I look to his praise, we need to always keep that in mind that the chief end of man is not to use God for our own happiness, but that God would use us for his. The storm revealed that the glory of Christ in a way that could not be kept hidden and in no way that they didn't know before. They knew it now. Verse 25, they say, who is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? The bigger the problem, the more our almighty Lord will be glorified when we trust him. This is the one I praise. Psalm 65 says, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farther seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations. Psalm 89 says, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you steal them. Can I close our time together today to tell you a certain reality that you need to keep in mind? I don't want to give you such a rosy picture. Because sometimes we need to face squarely the fact that sometimes Jesus doesn't calm the storm. Sometimes the boat does go down. John the Baptist wasn't delivered from prison. He lost his head. James was put to death. Here's what the Lord has been speaking into my heart, and I've heard it and kind of applied it from different areas of life, but some storms are not meant to be calmed. They're only meant to be endured. Too many times we want God to fix things, and God's not interested in fixing some things. He just says, you need to endure it. Weeping may last for a night. See, the answer is we trust in the Lord Jesus as we go down. We go down singing the doxology. John Huss was burned at the stake for his faith, but he went out singing. Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer, because of their faith, were burned at the stake together. And as the fires were lit under the stake, Latimer cried out, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust never shall be put out. Hudson Taylor lost his beloved wife, Maria, as they both sought to take the gospel to inland China. But he stood at her grave and saying, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I'm finding out the greatness of your loving heart. Truly, when our boats are going down, we can stand and sing like the great hymn writer and we can say, how great thou art. Do you know Jesus in that way? Because, beloved, I'm telling you, storms are going to come. I think we need storms. Because Isaac Newton said in his first law of motion, everything continues in a state of rest until it's compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. No one is willing to do real change until real crisis comes. I'm not going to look more like Jesus unless I go through the storm. Some people will change when they see light. Others will only change when they feel the heat. I wonder if my band would come and those who are going to be singing our invitation, if they would make their way here. I remember reading this story about a, some folks when I was back in Ohio pastoring, and some of this won't necessarily you won't know, but you'll get the point. But there was a gentleman whose oil well caught fire. Y'all know about that down here in Texas. This gentleman put out an all-points bulletin for help to make sure that anybody and everybody would come and help him. He kind of did something that was unheard of. He offered $30,000 to whomever would put out the fire. Well, all the large firehouses from these cities in Ohio that you wouldn't know, they kind of sent out their best companies, accompanied by the most modern fire equipment, but none of the trucks could get within 200 yards of the blaze because the heat was so intense and the fire was just too big. Finally, this Little bitty old Calcutta Township Volunteer Fire Department appeared on the scene. Amazingly, they had a rickety old truck with a single ladder, two buckets of water, three buckets of sand, and a few blankets. They didn't even have a hose. 
Well, that old truck reached the point where all those other fire companies had stopped and the driver didn't even hesitate. He just kept barreling ahead until he and his crew were right there in the thick of that blaze. They jumped out of that truck. They threw the two buckets of water, the three buckets of sand on that fire, and they just took the blankets and beat out that fire with those blankets. The old man was so impressed, but an unbelievable display of courage. He gave the driver $30,000 in cash on the spot, and he asked him, what are you and your men going to do with all that money? The driver said, well, the first thing we're going to do is get those stupid brakes on that truck fixed. What are you going to do when the brakes go out? And you end up in the middle of a storm or a fire. What are you going to do? I just want to challenge you today. Remember the promise of Jesus. Rest in his presence and rely on his power. So what do we do in times like this? I just want to tell you today that if you don't know the Lord Jesus, today's a great day. Because eventually there's coming a storm you can't escape. Be the storm of his wrath upon our sin. But praise God that Jesus loved us and that he went to the cross to endure that for us. And if you don't know that kind of forgiveness today, you can find that. I'm going to pray a prayer and we're going to stand and we're going to sing and some others will be down here. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you want to join me in praying that we get through this storm together. Maybe you want me to pray with you about the storm that you're in. Maybe you want to pray with some other people you know are going, storms going on in their lives right here in this same room, and you just want to pray with them. Maybe you've got other people you know they're doing that. I don't know what you want to do, but I'm going to pray. We're going to stand, and we're going to sing, and you're going to come. So pray with me. Holy Spirit, you've spoken your word, and I pray that you've loved us right where we're at, that we would know that we'll get to the other side. Provide hope and strength in these moments and save any and all who don't know you. Minister healing to your body. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us?